Welcome to the Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Follow along with the message by downloading our app, available for both Apple and Android phones. And now, for our message. Well, I have a question for you before we jump into the uh, message this morning. When you, when you come here, don't answer this out loud because that could get really ugly, but when you come here, what do you expect to happen when we, when we get into the scripture? Like, what, what's your expectation? What are you, what are you anticipating happening? Um, some of you are like, man, I'm just ready for God to speak for me. I want to speak to me. I want to hear what he has to say. I want to, I want to write something down or at least write it on my heart. I want to be able to grab hold of whatever it is that God has for me. And others of us, and I'm not making, I'm not you know, accusing anyone, because I don't really know this for sure, but my sense is there's others who are like, oh yeah, that's the part of the message where the guy talks, and I'm waiting for that to end so we can leave. And it's just kind of a, you know, just kind of going through the motions. And I want to encourage you this morning, we're going to pray together right now, and we're going to ask the Lord to actually speak to us. And that is his heart and desire, to speak to us, to actually Put something inside of us that we leave the, 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 the coming together of the saints. We leave this experience different than we came in. And a lot of that has to do, whether that happens or not, a lot of that has to do with what we expect to happen, what, our, what, our, um, our, what we're anticipating. So can we anticipate together in prayer right now? Jesus said this to his disciples. Luke said this in Luke 24 about Jesus and his disciples before Jesus ascended. He said he was with them and he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I want us to do that this morning. Can we agree together and ask the Holy Spirit to help us get it? Turn to the person next to you and say, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us get it. I want to get it. Amen? Thank you, Scott. Let's get it. Lord, your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word will speak to us if we will open our minds and hearts to it. Holy Spirit, help us to get it this morning. Help us not to just listen to talk or hear a sermon or um, uh, participate in the, in the chatting part of a, of a worship service. Instead, may this be life to us. May it, be, may it be like fresh bread is being pulled out of the oven and we're being given that bread to eat so that it would nourish us, it would strengthen us, and it would change us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, just making sure you're with me. You've got to be chatty. Turn to the person next to you and say, he really wants you to chat this morning. If you're above 18. If you're under 18, you need to be quiet. But everybody that's older than 18, you got to chat. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We're going to start a new series of messages today on the book of Ruth. And um, Ruth is a fantastically good book. If, you, if you've never read Ruth, I encourage you, read the book of Ruth. It's the eighth book in the Old Testament. So from the front of your Bible, about 100 pages, maybe, no, 200 pages. So you, about eighth book in there. If you've never read it, read it. I am, anybody in here a slow reader? I'm a slow reader. You can read, and, I, and I, so I time myself. This is the things that I do in my office by myself. I time myself. Got my little stopwatch out, hit start, started reading. 11 minutes to read through the whole book of Ruth. Four little chapters. It's very, very quick. So I want to encourage you, if you've never read it, or if it's been a long time since you've read it, to read the book of Ruth sometime this week. If you really want to be an A-plus student, you know, you want the gold star, I would encourage you to read the book of Ruth every day this week. And the reason is this. 
when, you, when you're a, a student of the word, a lot of the times that we go to the scriptures, we read through them and we don't ever really nest in one area and spend a lot of time in one space. So like if you use a reading plan, you might be checking boxes and I'm getting through the whole Bible this year, that, which is fantastic to read all of the word of God. But there's something special that takes place when we go to a small section of scripture and we just keep reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it and it teaches us. So I will encourage you, and we're going to be in Ruth for quite a while. Read through Ruth as often as you can this week. Again, 11 minutes is not a very long time. But if you do that, you will end up knowing this book front ways and back ways. You'll know every detail about it. And that's where the Holy Spirit can pull upon what you've placed inside of you to encourage you, to teach you, and for you to encourage and teach others. Amen? So we're going to do this. So read the book of Ruth. Really good book. Now, why, why would we read Ruth? Ruth is a story of loss and pain and trauma that gets turned into life and blessing and victory. The book of Ruth shows God's heart for people, but not just the people of Israel, his heart for all people of every land, of every nation, of every ethnicity. The book beautifully illustrates the Father's ability to redeem what feels like hopeless situations. It shows his restorative work in the lives of people. And let me just say this about his restorative work. When God does a restorative work, he doesn't just kind of make it okay. God doesn't just kind of bring you back to, you know, sufficient. Our God is not a God of just enough, of adequacy. He is a God of abundance. God is not a God of meagerness. He's a God of victory and overwhelming uh, overwhelming amounts. It says in Ephesians chapter 3 that he can do abundantly beyond, abundantly immeasurably beyond all, I can't speak today. He can do abundantly immeasurably beyond all we can ask or imagine. He does it in a big way. God does provision in a really big way. He does blessing in a really big way. And we see that in the book of Ruth. His heart is to move people from loss to blessing. From what was unexpected to what is unimaginable. And so I want us to start this series with settling one thing. And you've heard me say this. You you will hear me say it often. It's something I believe. That God does not uh, discriminate. He is not a respecter of persons. What you see in the word that he does for one person, he will do for others. So when we look at this book and we say, oh my goodness, someone like Ruth, God does this amazing blessings for her. It wasn't because Ruth Ruth was, I called her Ruth. It wasn't because Ruth was all that. It's because Ruth chose to believe and trust God. And when we do what Ruth does, we will get what Ruth got. So let's settle this to start with. Write this down if you would. The Lord is willing and able to do good for us, just as he did good for Ruth. He's willing and able. And that process of having blessing of having good done to us by God Almighty, that starts with learning to trust him. Though God's heart is to move people from loss to blessing, like Ruth, he is always searching for people who will believe him. He's always looking for people who are trusting him. And so our question is like, are there modern day Ruths? Are there people still here and now that are willing to say, in the midst of loss and pain and disappointment, God, I still trust you. The people in this room right now have suffered much. Some of you have suffered a little. Some of you have had catastrophe take place. But overall, we have been through our fair share of suffering. And the default posture for many people, I'm not accusing you or anyone else for that matter, but the default posture for suffering for many people is to pull back. It's to to resist. 
Here's what we do often. We start to cope. When there's a problem and, and things are not going well, rather than leaning into the Lord, we pull back and we, we resort to doing things that make us feel better in the moment, but that ultimately only make us feel worse. And the question that Ruth answers for us is what happens instead of pulling back in the difficulty and in the loss? If we lean in, what will take place? That's what, it, that's what we see in her life. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, great verse to underline in your Bible. It says this, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The question for us, always, but in particular as we look at something like Ruth is, will we pull back or will we lean in? Now, I want to look at the overall of Ruth before we get into the, the, the nitty-gritty of the chapters, four chapters. Before we start to really get in, let me just paint a little bit of a picture about Ruth. Ruth was um, written by Samuel, who is a prophet and a priest, and he writes it about a time that took place during the Judges. So real quick recap. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. First five books of the Old Testament. That is the, the giving of the law. And it is the narrative history of the people of Israel. All the way up until the time that they are getting ready to enter the promised land. The land that God had set aside for them through promise to Abraham back in the covenant that he made in Genesis. We get all the way to the end of Deuteronomy. And Joshua is the next book. And Joshua is like, like if you're ever feeling depressed, Joshua is the book to read, right? Because Joshua is one victory after another victory after another. It's totally overcoming. You have Jericho. You have them wiping out and the armies of their adversaries. They're winning. They're getting this land. It's, it's like a total rah-rah cheerleading book. Then, after Joshua, we move into what I would call the dark ages of Israel's history. The book of Judges is the most depressing, discouraging, um, sobering book of all. So you've got this beautiful victory in Joshua followed by Judges, which is just the worst stinking book. Turn to the person next to you and say, it is like the worst stinking book. You're allowed to say stinking in church. It's like the worst book. And then, and then after Judges, you get into the era of the kings, and that is very manic. It's like, Great king, everything's good. Bad king, everything's bad. And they do this roller coaster for a few hundred years till it all ends badly. It's really discouraging, actually, when you think about it. So Joshua victory, judges really depressing, kings up and down. Got it? So the judges is the dark time. It's, it's the awful time. Israel is, is, con, is consumed with idolatry. They are worshiping. What they do in Joshua is they, they come in and they take over all the land. In Joshua, they start to say, well, now, what were, you, what were you guys worshiping? Oh, we'll worship that too. And they begin to worship all these other false gods. They're worshiping trees. They're worshiping pillars. They're worshiping ground. They're worshiping sun, moon, everything. They get into all of this idolatry, which causes them to fall away from God. It causes them to go and be oppressed and to live in fear of their enemies. They intermarry with those that don't follow the almighty Yahweh. They get into incredible sexual sin. They have horrible violence. There's, there's brutal inter-tribal warfare that takes place in the book of Judges. There are 12 tribes, right? The youngest tribe is Benjamin. Benjamin almost gets wiped out as a tribe, like entirely at the end of the book of Judges. That's how awful it gets. You want to summarize the entire book of Judges in one verse. Look at the, if you have your Bible, you can look at the last book, or last chapter of the book, the last verse of the last chapter. I'll read it to you. It says this in Judges 21-25. This is the summary of the entire book. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Can we say that together? Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone was his or her own boss. Does that not sound like now, actually? It's kind of similar to where we live right now. Everybody did what they wanted to do, which turned out awful. 
The book of Judges is a testimony to what happens when God is only treated as a rescuer and not as Lord. Because Israel was constantly calling out, God, save us, we've messed it up. And he would come in and he would use a judge to redeem them out of their circumstances, but they would not submit to his ways and follow him as Lord. When you look at Judges, you see people calling out for a Savior and rejecting him as Lord. That's why when someone follows Christ, they don't just accept him and believe on him as Savior. They believe on him as Savior and Lord. We get forgiven and then we walk in his ways. That's where the Lordship part kicks in. I don't buy a lot of jewelry. My wife would like me to buy more jewelry. But I don't buy a lot of jewelry. But I do understand this, that if you go to the jewelry store which are always like super well lit, right? You don't go to, there's no dark jewelry stores. That wouldn't be very effective. Super bright lights. And if you're looking at gemstones in particular, and in particular I'm thinking of diamonds, they sometimes will lay out a black piece of velvet, right? And then they lay the diamonds on top of the velvet. Now why would they do that? Yeah, I mean, it makes the, it makes the stones appear brighter because of all the blackness behind them. The blackness is Judges. The gemstone is the book of Ruth. So when you look at Ruth, you're seeing this amazing story in the midst of all of this yuck, of all of this darkness. In a season where there is fear and there's faithlessness and there's idol worship, we meet this woman, and that's important. We meet this woman who is faithful and she is loyal and she is bold. And the Lord works in her life because of her response to difficulty, a series of miracles that are impactful for her, for her immediate family, for her children, for her grandchildren. But literally to this day, 2022, May 1st of 2022, literally to this day, Ruth's decisions are still impacting us. And when you read through the book of Ruth, you'll understand why. So before we get in, it's, it's, it's said that there are only two certainties in life, right? They are death and how come you know that better than some of the scriptures I call on? You guys are like, oh yeah, taxes. I know this one. Yeah, I want to participate. Death and taxes are the only two certainties. There are actually others. There are other certainties. I made a short list. You want to hear them? Here we go. Number one, junk email. It doesn't matter. It does not matter how many times you try to get to unsubscribe. I think unsubscribe means send me more because every time just more comes in. Junk email is a certainty along with death and taxes. Um, here's another one. If you load the dishwasher and you start it, you will find a dirty glass in another room. Always happens. Every single day. I try. I'm one of those guys. I'm walking around looking for them all. And up, sure enough, there's a dirty glass. There's a dirty bowl. There's something under the couch. Whatever. That's another certainty. Here's the other certainty. I've learned this since we've been living. Today is the two-year anniversary of Susan and I becoming pastors of Grace Church. And this is one of the things that we've learned that's a certainty about Missouri in the last two years. It is never nice weather on Easter morning, ever. You just forget it. It's never going to happen. It doesn't matter if Easter's in March or if Easter's in, you know, June. It doesn't matter. It's always going to be cruddy that day. It's nice up till that day. Easter's kind of eh. And then Monday, it's pretty beautiful again. So these are the things that I know for sure. Here's one more thing. Write this down. Our lives will not turn out exactly the way we expect. That is another certainty. And loss will be a part of our experience. Our lives will not turn out exactly like we expect. And loss is going to be part of our experience. Think about the 18-year-old the version of yourself, if, unless you're 18 right now. If you're, if you're older than 18, think about what you were thinking your life would look like when you were 18. How did you think your life was going to go? I don't, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm guessing that no one would be able to say everything worked out exactly like I thought it would. 
Because that's not the way it works. And in that uh, growing up and learning and experiencing life, you have had things happen that were difficult. Amen? All right, let's try that again. In your growing up and learning and experiencing life, you have found things that were difficult. Amen? Amen. Good. I'm going to keep on you. You need to talk to me this morning. Because we live in a corrupted planet. We live in a broken world. And that brokenness filters all the way down to the personal level. So we, not just Ruth, but we experience pain and loss and disappointment and suffering. We cannot know exactly how things will go in life. Would you look at Ruth chapter 1 with me? Ruth chapter 1. Just the first five verses this morning. Let me read it to you out of the English standard version of the scriptures. It says this. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. And they were Epaphrites, Epaphrites, from Bethlehem in Judah. And they went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And he, I'm sorry, and she was left with two sons. These took Moabite wives, the name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years. I'm sorry. They lived there about 10 years and both Malon and Kilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and without her husband. Beginning of the book of Ruth is the dark velvet. It's awful. It's yuck. This man named Elimelech leaves his home country, Israel, Judah, Bethlehem, significance there, and he goes into another country called Moab. It was about a 70 to 100 mile trek to the east and a little bit uh, south. They go over across the Jordan. They go down into this area because there was no food in Israel. They went there to try to survive. He goes there with his two sons. When, when they get there, we don't know ex- the timeline exactly, but when they get there, Elimelech dies. So Na- Naomi is now with her two sons, Malon and Kilion, and they find women to marry who are Moabites. They marry the uh, uh, Kilion marries Orpah and Malon marries Ruth. I think I have that right. And they begin their life together. But soon thereafter, those two men also die. This leaves the family unit with three women: a mother named Naomi, a woman named Orpah, and a woman named Ruth. And the equivalent, the best way to describe what that would mean socially for them, economically for them, it would be the equivalent of someone now being homeless. Because all of the provision, all of the protection that would be afforded to a family always came through men. And so these poor gals are there. In in Naomi's case, she's in a foreign country. She's with these two daughters that are not of the same ethnicity. They're not of the same um, country. And they're there living together trying to struggle through. There are no men present to provide. There's nobody there to take uh, the action of protecting them. There is no wealth and there is no social standing. This is a situation that feels absolutely hopeless. It's traumatic. We don't know exactly how old Ruth is, but she is of of childbearing age, and she has no son, no husband, and no father-in-law. And as you're going to see, as you look into the book in chapter 1, things get even worse for Ruth before they begin to get better. Now, I'm tempted to just keep going because this is a fantastic book, and there's so much in chapter 1 that I want us to cover. But I want to pause right here, and I want to ask this question. What do we do... When something unexpected or unpleasant or unwanted happens. 
We live in the reality that there is loss in life, just like Ruth lived with the reality that there was loss in her life. The question is not, will something change, I'm sorry, when, when, will something challenging or tragic happen in my life? It's never the question as if it will happen. The question is always, when something difficult happens, what will my response be to it? Will I lean into God or will I lean away from him? Loss is not optional, but what we do after that, that's wide open. If we will act in faith or act in doubt. Ruth is a worthy role model because of what she does in the midst of her pain. Let me say that to you again. Ruth is worthy of our imitation. Whether you're a guy or a girl, Ruth is worthy of our imitation because of how she reacts to difficulty, what she does with her pain. And so I want to ask this question right now. When you, when you have loss in your life, when you have disappointment, when you have pain, when you have things that do not go your way, what is your response? If things don't go right, do you pull back from God or do you lean into God? And I want you to be honest. Take a moment and think about it. What is your default posture? Do you lean in or do you pull back? Because I want you to be honest. If, if the reality is I, I kind of pull back and do it my way when that happens, I want us to pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to change that. That the Holy Spirit will begin to cause us to want to lean into God. And the reason this is so important, we need to be healed and we need to have this settled here. And here is why. Almost all of the miraculous and amazing things God does happen in the midst of loss. It is often in loss that God does his most miraculous and remarkable work. Think about it. Just stay with me. I know you're getting hungry, but stay with me. Think about it. When you think about the things that God has done in your life that were big, the big movements where he showed up, the big things that took place where he provided, the way he delivered you, the way that he, he broke that addiction, the things that, that transform your life, all of that stuff is always on the backdrop of the black velvet. Always. Have you ever gone on vacation and everything went perfectly for the whole time you were away? I, I hope you've had one of those vacations. But here's the deal with that. If you had a vacation like that, you probably don't remember much of it. What do you remember about vacations? It's our family, it's like, remember when that, we got that flat tire? And remember that rude waiter? And remember when we lost all of our luggage? It's always the thing that happens that wasn't what you expected that causes the memory to take place. The same thing is true with our journey. When we're in the midst of loss, we remember. Our brains get triggered and we're well into the moment. And it is in those moments that we see God do his best work. Everything that has happened in your life where you say God showed up and moved me forward, I promise you, had to do with losing something, being disappointed, being left out, being hurt, being, uh, going through a tragic situation of some sort or another. By definition, miracles and victory are only needed when we feel hopeless and defeated. Your choice. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have a choice. Say it to him again. You have a choice. You have a choice to even listen to me when I'm asking you to turn to the person next to you. You have a choice. We can live our lives expecting some stuff to happen that's going to be negative, And when it does, being devastated by it. Or we can live our lives saying, no matter what happens, I'm going to lean in and trust him. We have to settle that peace. If you want to experience what Ruth experiences, we have to settle that when stuff goes down that's not good, that's challenging. And I don't even mean things that you necessarily cause to happen. Just life hits you. When that takes place, I am going to lean in and not pull back out. People who experience triumph through trauma are those who walk through pain, leaning into God's goodness despite what they're feeling and experiencing. 
That's Ruth's story. That can be our story as well. In God's hands, I'm almost finished here, but in God's hands, loss is not final. Pain does not have to be permanent. And the wounds that we experience become the soil that God will grow miracles out of if we will trust him. So I want to pray for you this morning that we will, as we go into this amazing book, become like Ruth and trust him. So would you stand with me? Would you close your eyes as you're standing there? And answer this question in your heart, not out loud, please. Answer this question in your heart. When, when difficulty comes, when pain comes, when loss comes, when disappointment comes, do I lean into God or do I pull back from him? Answer that question in your heart. And I want to pray with you. Because I want us all to ask ourselves the question and to answer, Lord, if our, if our, if our posture is to pull back, to, to have God heal us so that we will begin to be able to trust because I want for all of us what Ruth got. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for people like Ruth who are amazing role models. Not necessarily people that did everything perfectly or had all, you know, never had any challenges or never, never did anything wrong, Lord, but people who in the midst of the darkest moments of their lives, losing a, losing a father-in-law, losing a brother-in-law, losing a husband, being a young woman without any means, without any social standing, without any prospects or hope for the future, in the midst of that darkness, we know from the story that Ruth leans into you. She doesn't pull away from you. Lord, we want to be people that lean into you. Lord, in this room right now, there are folks that have gone through awful stuff. There's people that are in the midst of awful stuff, and there are, there are others that, will, that are heading into a storm and they don't even realize it yet. That's just the condition of being on the planet. I want us to be a people, and I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that would lean into you, believing that you will do something amazing and miraculous if we'll not hesitate, but we will extend our faith. Lord, cause us to be people that do that. And I ask that you would even right now Help people in this room. Help the people here at Grace. The people that are watching online, help them all to connect this idea of leaning in with what they're going through right now. With disappointment, with, with a broken relationship, with struggles within a marriage, with financial problems, whatever it is that they're going through, Lord, may they connect this principle of leaning in rather than pulling back with where they are in their lives right now. Father, prepare us to experience unimaginable blessing because we walked in the footsteps and the pathway of a lady like Ruth. Prepare us as we move into this series. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you extend your hands in front of you? I want to bless you in the name of the Lord before you go. This is out of, adapted from Isaiah 61. Grace Church family, Grace Church family, may the Lord bind up your broken heart. May he give you freedom from captivity. May he release you from darkness. May he comfort you. May he give you a crown of beauty instead of ashes. May he give you the oil of gladness instead of mourning. May he give you a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Grace Church family, may you be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust that this message made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about Grace Church, be sure to connect with us by visiting grace417.com or connect with us by filling out a connection card on our app.